Dr. Raman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. And for those who don't know, uh, Dr. Raman was my professor for my psychology of music class over at UTD. Such a such a cool class, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed having you there as well. And, you know, with all your insightful questions in the, sitting in the first row. And it was fun. Yeah, that's, after sitting in that class, I think a lot about wanting to, uh, you know, engage in my classes, like talk to the professor a lot, but a lot of classes aren't designed that way, you know? Right. So I'm always like, wait, I want to talk about this and back and forth. But with music, it's so easy to to do that because everybody can, everybody has their own opinion and can relate to music. Yeah, uh, in fact, studies have also shown that there have been actually studies that have been done in like social psychology, uh, which have shown that one of the first topics that uh, uh, people choose to discuss about when they're meeting new people is uh, to talk about music oh. and common interests in music, kind of like sports. Um, so That's sports right. and music are like on par, I think, with each other and maybe maybe movies. But then uh, music is um, a sure thing that, you know, most people use because not everybody watches sports or is into sports. But uh, for mm. some reason, everybody is into music. Right. Yeah, I mean... When when we talked about the evolution of music, we talked a lot about being the most basic form of communication, or we talked about how communication kind of established from music, almost, and how there's music in the water, music in the wind, music in the birds, in the animals. So it does feel like a almost universal language. Um almost like the the language of the heart. I mean, I don't know. I guess people say that's love, but... <laughs> yeah, well, uh, music is not very far away. If, um, you know, one of the reasons why I think um, even in nature, um, you know, like birds, female birds want to um, mate with like male birds who have good... Um, plumage and everything but then one of the things that male birds also use is their sense of sound um so for instance peacocks do a dance um uh, they're very good at dancing and they show off all their feathers and everything and i think we even covered this in class like that we have male birds who like you know strut around uh, showcasing their vocal skills which go on to show that you know hey they are smart they're intelligent well if it's human beings then you know that musicians do make a lot of money the popular ones so and uh, they have a lot of style class usually a lot of um, empathy <laughs> and um, emotions and things like that and um, you know people but of course in uh, with human beings it's not that dimorphic like not all um, you know uh, only males do music or something it is both females and males do music in um, human category but still it's something that um, uh, everybody is um, you know really fond of and um, is, is one of the things that uh, I think attracts a partner common interest in music even if you're not able to do music i have a lot of music um, uh, well semi um, uh, professional musicians who married professional musicians 
or professional musicians who married uh, semi-professional musicians. And uh, one of the main reasons is this attraction of uh, being able to do music together or enjoy and appreciate music together. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's very interesting. It's it's interesting how um uh different music can be. Um for example, we talked a, a lot about different cultures and different musical cultures and how there's different music for different cultures and not only is there different music but there's different rules and sounds that we don't even acknowledge in our culture for example in other cultures and not to just talk about cultures and stuff but um like it's just so interesting i mean i understand how animals have different callings for one another because different species but within humans we all have such different music and it's just and i think i asked this in class too like why doesn't everybody listen to the same music i mean it's kind of saying why aren't we all one culture but it's <laughs> like why can't we enjoy indian music or ragans and and all combine as music instead of as um culture stuff like that you know i don't know yeah so i mean there are like several um ways to answer this question and I don't think any one answer uh, can be considered as the best answer or something. It's like kind of asking the question of why are there so many varieties of flowers or, um, you know, colors mm. um, or flowers with colors, you know, different color combinations. Why can't everything just be blue color? or red color or whatever you know so um so that's that's on a very philosophical level and i'd like to answer a start off with that saying that perhaps one of the things is for us to enjoy the various varieties that are offered in nature uh that's why we have so many different uh, sounds mm. different music um just like how we have different um, flowers or colors or food etc uh, but on other levels, uh, like, you know, like like zooming in from the very broad level to, you know, slowly narrowing in down to the, the individual level, um, there is the individual preferences and not everybody likes the same food. You might have been raised as, um, you know, siblings in the same family, but siblings still have strong food preferences, likes and dislikes. So I know families where, uh, you know, uh, moms have to make a different dish for each sibling in the family because of strong preferences, you know. So um, there is that. But somewhere in between also is the um, influence of culture, uh, your ho home, your parents, what they listen to, your family and what kind of music you're surrounded by, where you grow up and, you know, all those kind of things. But there is one thing that I did um uh, realize that um, uh, you know along the way uh, once again there have also been studies but even we have tested this out uh, personally in the lab um, is that uh, even if it's across cultures with more familiarity and I, and I love to like quote this uh, th these are my own words okay so um, um, I'm not quoting anyone here but myself when I say that um, um, with familiarity, you know, they usually say that familiarity breeds contempt, but with music, 
familiarity breeds um you know love for the music so even if you don't like mm-hmm. a particular kind of music for the very first time the more you listen to it the more it gets into you and you actually begin to like like and enjoy the music whereas um, you know try doing that with like people or um, anything else you know it it really maybe food to some extent you know um, the more you keep trying a particular cuisine the more you're likely to enjoy and fall in love with it at some point of time it's happened to me uh, but uh, with music especially there is no music that um, uh, you know in fact i've only heard it myself included like i mean it's personal experience as well as um, friends and family around me there there are um, people who have composed music that is impossible to kind of like at the first go and we call it like you know oh it's slow poison it's going to like slowly you know get into your senses and make you enjoy it and that's really true um five times after listening to the music that you don't like at the first um, uh, you know hearing you find that you really really love this music five times later so um i don't know if you've ever experienced that but uh, uh that is how um, people grow to like music from different cultures um they exploit it and they really like it and appreciate it because they get more and more familiar with the music mm. that they're listening to so that's a one of the and and many studies have been done with this as well with familiarization you actually don't end up not liking the music you actually end up loving the music so, wow that is so interesting right? and yeah. it's so interesting how that is unique to music and not like your homework and like knowledge like just because you study a lot for an exam doesn't mean you're going to love the exam or that subject yeah. yeah yeah sometimes you might sometimes you might not mm. i mean it's like a you know a hit or miss but then with music what we have seen so far is that it's almost always a sure hit um there is still a little bit of room for doubt i mean the person mm. might just be very stubborn but um um you know in general the more you listen to it you you'll realize that um uh, the more you listen to it you're, you're you're beginning to like hum it without even realizing it and then when you realize it you'll be like oh gosh do i actually like the music that i did not like before <laughs> you know so that has happened a lot to a lot of most people you know it's it's a very common experience yeah well i wonder if uh like like what about music makes it like so enjoyable um and and would that translate to the culture like if we if we were to and you're from india right yes <laughs> and hence the indian wear today without realizing but <laughs> <laughs> and you were kind of having to learn american music and you you learn to love it right eventually yeah well um i mean i was exposed to a lot of uh, like you know growing up a lot of michael jackson whitney houston mm. paula abdul and all the people who are like famous in the um early 90s late 80s early 90s and and then you know backstreet boys i mean i've been like all over the place and uh, uh heavy on pop culture uh but because that is what i was exposed to but um uh and 
and and then from there it grew and um, i learned uh, i began learning um western instruments keyboard and uh, piano and uh, then guitar and finally started even singing western classical i still learn western classical and i sing western classical so for me uh, but all this started definitely oh uh, i should also mention this before going into that that i was also um, in a roman catholic school uh, from mm -hmm. like age 3 till like i completed my 12th grade oh. um, so all that had like a heavy influence on um, you know um, western music has been like european music has been with me uh, from a very very young age but at the same time my family um, you know primarily listens to south indian classical or carnatic music as we call it and uh, that music is has also been there side by side and i've been like in and out of carnatic classes currently i actually teach carnatic music i can't believe that but wow. i have some personal stories to share when we come to that um but anyway um growing up with two styles of music simultaneously all the time has been incredible because it has like i i feel very blessed being in this juxtaposition you know the right central point where i can appreciate both forms of music and uh, some people like some carnatic musicians are extremely biased they're like oh carnatic music is the best and some western musicians are equally biased saying that oh western music is the best but here i am in the middle and i say both and i wish i i had a third dimension. dimension but my third dimension just uh, you know has been appreciation i haven't picked up anything but just having these two styles of music growing up with them and learning them and going deep into the, into them has given me so much of appreciation of music that um, you know i just feel very fortunate to have had this experience which one do you like more <laughs> <laughs> like i just mentioned i have no favorites okay. um both of them are like you know equally equally in my soul and uh, i'm just so glad that i can um, um mm -hmm. rely on both of them to be able to appreciate all this music that i hear in the world today yeah we, and we learned about schematic and veridical knowledge you know so i apply both to both and i'm just grateful for that yeah wow that is so sick I had a similar type of thing with uh with Mexico, Mexican music, Spanish music, which is more similar to like western, I guess it is part of the west, but but with India, their their scales, their music is so different. I mean, they literally use scales and modes in India as medicine. Like they have their their um consequences and and effects each unique mode do, do you think that western music also has unconscious effects within its scales or has that been like proven that it doesn't well um music therapy exists in western music it's very very popular and as i'm mm -hmm. sure you're aware of that uh now it it's just how um maybe there are differences i actually that's a very interesting question and it's just making me think that maybe there are differences um in how the different styles of music are applied towards therapeutic purposes um 
I know that with Indian music, we are very heavily reliant on the modes because um, it's all, you know, it doesn't have, uh, Indian music doesn't really work on harmony. I mean, these days there is fusion and mm-hmm. they brought that in, but it's primarily right. like, you know, uh, melody lines, which are accompanied by um, other instruments. Whereas in uh, Western music, the heavy emphasis is on harmony. I'm at least talking about classical music, may not be so much with the popular variety. Um, and uh, there are not many modes that you have in Western music. Like you have the minor modes, modes and then the you know major mode and then you have the church the ancient church modes and uh, you know there is um, a couple of papers that Dr. Dowling and I we published together and we have mentioned that uh, there are about like a total of 13 uh, modes that you can claim in western music as mm. opposed to uh, millions of modes that are possible in Carnatic music uh, but I mean out of which we use currently about 350 different modes we call them ragams or raga rag rag whatever however you want to anglicize it but it's mm-hmm. basically ragam and um, uh, i think that that is why there is a heavy reliance on uh, using those different modes to see if they have the different sound forms have effects on um, uh, uh, have mm-hmm. therapeutical benefits whereas um, with Western music, since there are not that many modes, it relies heavily on uh, things like, you know, um, um, the harmony, the formation of the melody and things like that. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I should like mute uh, this thing because it's like, is it like uh, disturbing? No, no, it's good. Okay. Message message tones are like coming through and uh, no email. Oh, no, it's okay. No, I didn't hear you. <laughs> okay. All right. okay. Yeah, so uh, I think that's the basic um, idea here. Um, also, music therapy is extremely popular in India. We have different uh, modes that are used for things like fever and uh, stomach pain or um, jaundice and uh, depression and you know some modes that um, researchers have identified as working better with uh, than other modes. Um, but I strongly suspect, now I'm not into music therapy, but then I have read up a lot. I have spoken to a lot of researchers and uh, practitioners of music therapy back in India. And what I, and, and even to uh, clients who have undergone music therapy. And my strong suspicion is that um, it is all personal preferences, once again. So um, if you prefer a particular mode, um, you might want to like go back and listen to it over and over and over again. It's like, you know, having your personal preference for a particular song. Would Do you like song A or song B? And if you like song B, then that is something that has a greater chance of providing therapeutical effects than song A, which you might not like at all, you know? So um, yeah. I think, um, yeah, that uh, I, I strongly suspect that that, could be one of these. So basically what I'm trying to say here is individual differences and preferences might very strongly underlie um, how effective um, certain modes are or certain modes are not, Mm. you know, so, yeah. That's right. In my cognitive psychology class, I have been learning about studies that they did on attention and one of the studies was um, when cell phones first came out and they're wanting to see the loss on driving and texting and calling and also listening to music. 
because I wanted to see if that was also dangerous. And it turns out that listening to music is like perfectly fine. Like it doesn't need your, I think it's your visual sketch pad that uses that you use when you talk to someone on the phone. Like apparently you don't use that. You're not creating a mental image when you're listening to music. And that is so fascinating that like that's a thing. And also the idea of using music as a form to like alter consciousness. It's so interesting to me. Like how can you do both at once? Yeah, so uh, uh, my comment on the first uh, thing about traffic is I I cannot drive without listening to music. But there are some moments when, um, you know, it, it does seem a little dangerous because I tend to hit the accelerator um, mm. as I tend to like, I, I actually sing. I, I do my, most of my uh, music practice happens when I'm driving and it's a great way to like warm up and, you know, practice all the things I need to practice, uh, you know, uh, while driving because it, it's just my personal space. I don't have to worry about anybody else listening to me or not listening to me or, you know, things like that. Um, and sometimes when I go uh, to higher pitches, I notice that I also tend to press the accelerator more. So I just have to watch out. So sometimes I, you know, but, but I also notice that my senses are on high alert though I'm singing and I'm listening to music or whatever, but uh, it just helps me concentrate. If I don't have music, I feel that I tend to drift away with my thoughts. So with music, I, I feel that it helps me concentrate just for driving music uh, because it um, keeps me focused on the task and I'm not thinking other thoughts. You know, it's just music and the driving. Whereas when I'm sleeping or, uh, or trying to sleep or when I'm studying, I get extremely distracted with music. So I can never listen to any sounds mm. when I do music. I mean, I mean, sorry, when I'm studying or when I'm trying to sleep, I cannot do music. I cannot even do speech. I just need silence when I'm, you know, and uh, we've done this in class where I ask people to like provide your opinion on whether you, um, you know, uh, listen to music while studying or you prefer not to. And uh, it's, it's kind of half and half. People have their preferences. So, um, could you tell me what the second thing was that you mentioned? Oh, yeah, right, about the uh, experiences, right? The, right, altered states of consciousness with Yeah, altered states music. of consciousness. Music is considered, um, at least in Eastern philosophy, in Indian philosophy, maybe I should just be very specific and say with Indian philosophy, which is considered as one of the most ancient philosophies in the world. Um, they've, uh, you know, just to give you an idea of how old the, this is, uh, so one of the greatest epics of India, which actually took place, um, you know, called the Ramayana, they originally carbon dated the... Um, you know, the relics that are left behind the ruins, etc., to like about um, 7,500 years ago. But now with the latest technology, and there was a whole documentary on it on History Channel or something, which I saw a few years ago, they've now dated it back to like 75, 80,000 years ago. So our philosophy was is like that old. I mean, kingdoms were in India happening when, um, you know, the rest of the world uh, didn't have... Uh, uh, well, there probably were like Neanderthal people, um, you know, mm. around. So, um, 
that philosophy back then agrees and from then on agrees that music is one of the uh, ways to reach the highest state of meditation like i mean you can meditate and reach higher states of consciousness so music is um another way another form of meditation that can help you reach those consciousness and that can be witnessed even today and i always make it a point to mention this in class too that you don't need any kind of alternate drug to like get you into those high states all you need to do is like jive to music that you really really love wow. and um, you know you you would have seen me also leaving class after you know performances or after a very nice interesting discussion in class and um you know i'd be like all energetic and high and um, you know loving it and yeah so you don't need any kind of external help stimulants to get you to that state all you need is music and it doesn't even wow. have to be an external source of music it can be an internal mental source of music that's like constantly playing in your head uh, that can get you to those altered states of consciousness wow and you can't get addicted yeah yes and with uh, no side effects no harmful side oh. effects see <laughs> <laughs> so it is best to get addicted to things like music than you know put your body and mind through harm right wow i love that that is so fascinating um because there's always like when you finish listening to a song that you love you you get that feeling where like the feeling goes away you're like <laughs> oh okay um I was high just now like <laughs> and now I'm sober. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can like do that whenever you want to and there's like new music that can get you there and you know wow. and then and then you can like safely come back down from the higher uh, states um you know and um yeah it's it's very safe it's fun and um and it it is readily available at your disposal you don't have to like you know do illegal things to like you know uh, get and get into trouble for these kind of things wow you know that makes sense when i think about like mantras for example mm -hmm. or or prayers like i there's a lot I, i don't hear a lot of mantras in the west but there is nursery rhymes right like yeah. row 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 your boat which mm -hmm. you sing to children to help them go to sleep mm -hmm. um but it's so interesting to think about it as uh mixed in with uh like spiritual views and mm -hmm. like for example church um there's music in church like that's how music originated in the west because mm -hmm. of the religious church um of values course. yeah And that's so interesting. It, like, um, do you know if in India they would use like actual drugs in, in religious purposes before music? Um, so it depends on uh, where and uh, when. Um, hmm. Drugs are viewed uh, very negatively in India. and uh, people don't do it but there are like you know um fanatics and um, um uh, people who are religious as well who um do it in some remote uh, places and uh, i haven't 
necessarily visited those places, but I have heard about, you know, especially in the north, I have heard, like, for instance, people do smoke marijuana, and uh, there are some other kind of uh, drugs which are uh, not as um, you know, addictive or uh, whatever negative as uh, like the ones that are synthetic, like for instance, fentanyl and things like that, right? But there are some uh, locally made things that people use in order to reach those meditative states um, and, uh, you know, try to seek those alternate um, consciousness levels. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure how, I, I mean, I haven't heard of things like mixing it with you know for the sake of producing music or things like that but um i mean if you ask me if india is a drug-free country then i would say no uh you know it's there everywhere uh but and for religious purposes yes because you know and for meditation and things like that people do use it but it just uh, depends on where and when and it's not something that's readily available and you know it's like remote and um you know uh, like there is the whole popular story of the beatles who visited india and um, you know uh, for the sake of learning meditation and things like that and their experiences and then the music that they brought out after uh, their experience in india and uh, um, that the music that came out after that, you can hear a lot of Indian influence in that, Indian music influence in that. So things like that um, have kind of had a um, different view of how people, you know, uh, talk about India and things. But um, yeah, I mean, if I go to a temple for worship or a church for worship, I don't um, experience any of these things. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because it's, it's it's fascinating how and do they do they have music in the temples? Yeah. Oh yeah, That's all the time. All the time. That is, yeah. Yeah. In fact, sometimes I'm like, I just wish they had a silent area where you know you could like <laughs> go and like you know be in peace. But then it's it it yeah. goes hand in hand with wow. that, you know. Uh, yeah. We, it, it it's not like a choir singing or something like how it occurs in churches. Right. They usually play something over the, um, you know, loudspeaker, some devotional music, something. Or there are live performances that happen from time to time, especially during some kind of festivals or special occasions. Wow. And I love that. <laughs> how does um, microtonal tunage kind of play into um that aspect is there is it very unique like microtonal music in the in the east or is it um very common it's very common so um we call it here in so i should say the western scientists and musicologists they call it as microtonal tuning uh basically what it is is um, so in Western music, the notes are all very single and uh, like, you know, individually sung or played. Like, for instance, uh, I'm, I'm just having a little bit of like, you know, throat issues. So it's not the best, but I'll just try and hum a bit. So in Western music, it's something like la, 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 la. So for instance, if you were to take a song like, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, it would all be like simple notes la 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 okay whereas um with indian music um we have connections between those notes we um can so here is a wonderful um what do you say extension to music that uh, indian music has to offer so 
we can use single notes if we have to and if it will provide a nice contrast but we mostly rely on what we call as analog music which means like you know uh, digital versus analog so uh, uh, analog music is where you combine from note to note so for instance the scale the western major scale la 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 la, la will not be sung like that it will be sung like hmm, la sare la la those are the two notes wow. so the first note is a tonic you don't do much with the tonic you know the first note it's the other notes uh, my teacher always tells me my carnatic teacher always tells me that um, the uh, tonic and the dominant that is the first and the fifth notes which are the most important should be a point you know whereas the other notes should be an area so they should cover a little bit of an area so for instance la that's your first note you don't do anything to it sa re that's just the second note la that's your second note but look at the area that it covers so it goes both above and below it i mean it depends on which ragam it is but it's just for this particular ragam or mode it goes like that sari ga ga doesn't shake too much that is a third note ga ma the gentle shaking there so ma is the fourth note pa pa is the fifth note and that's a point like i told you so we don't do we can't do pa that that just sounds very bad very weird and it destroys the stability of the scale you know so that is how we kind of uh, decide uh, you know how to bring um, that is how we do it okay so we just connect between the notes and western um, uh, people call it as microtonal intervals we don't sing at like for instance uh, persian music has micro notes you know microtonal uh, notes at microtonal intervals i i can't hum it but it's like a note that is between for instance if it is like you know um let's say c and d you have a c sharp or a d flat um and this note would be somewhere between like you know d flat and d you know in between that so that is truly um um microtonal note but um uh, indian music we don't do it like that we connect the notes from one note to the other mm-hmm. note the connection is the one that sounds very different it provides a lot of possibilities to explore both uh, melodically as well as emotionally and that is why we are able to uh, you know remember and perform so many different modes because each mode is very unique uh, because of the way uh, the emotions are attached to the note it's not just so the expression of the whole scale changes and uh, because of that we are able to like you know uh, develop and uh, work with so many different modes wow that is amazing it's it's kind of like what you call ornamentation in western music so you um... have um, you know in western music we have trills for instance la 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 something like that right. you know that's a trill but that kind of uses all the frequencies in between la um, you know wow. so uh, the same kind of thing we use in uh, a similar kind of thing in indian music you know so it's not that it is non existent in western music it's just that they are used for a specific purpose and they are called ornamentations and there are different types of ornamentations in western music as we have in indian music
Wow. So do you think to combine the two is um unnecessary or not unnecessary, but like not like required yeah, yeah, like do you, do you think there could ever be like a perfect mix of the both or something like that? And like like I think about the Beatles and how they incorporated a lot of Indian instruments and stuff like that into their album. And I think like why didn't why doesn't everyone do that? Like how do you think that a song or like I think about the universe, you know, I had I had a um a guest on here earlier who his name is Vinyl Williams. He's John Williams' grandson. Oh. Yeah, and he has this really um, cool concept of looking at musical astrology. So he, yes. <laughs> like, he'll connect the months of the year with the notes in the major scale, and will be like, if you were if you were born in the tenth month of the year. And you're you're talking to someone who was born on the, I don't know, on the seventh or something. Then you look at those uh, degrees, and that's the same relationship that you would have. But he, I, I, we also talked about a music that would be like the tempo of the earth spinning or something like that. <laughs> so do you? think that there could be some kind of universal language or m complete merge of all of these, especially with AI that's coming too. Do you think there could be a convergence of all of these songs, I mean, styles of music to one universal uh, style or genre, kind of like what the Beatles did? How well, do you think you that would yeah, you do have something called the world music, for instance. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, um, it's, it's an extremely personal preference and opinion. And my personal preference and opinion is I'm open to like, you know, um, um, there are several Western artists who have tried to incorporate some aspect of Indian music in it. Uh, I love it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it just depends on uh, how they've taken it. Like, for instance, there's a song called um, uh, All You Want, I think it's called, by Dido. Oh, you want, yeah, I think it's called All You Want by Dido. One of my most favorites because she uses the scale called Vasanti, which is an Indian uh, ragam, you know, it's uh, this one, Plain Notes. Um, and uh, not like Indian style of singing, singing, but just the whole uh, mode gives a totally different flavor and feel to that music. And there's a little bridge in between, which is of the major scale, but everything else is in the scale uh, of, uh, you know, Vasanti. And I just love it, you know, how she's like brought about that whole music a little bit. I don't know if she knows <laughs> that she's brought in an um, Indian uh, thing here. It could be a coincidence, but um, uh, it, it's just done so flavorfully, so beautifully, you know. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's a personal preference thing. Yeah. Not everybody appreciates it. Um, I do know a lot of people, especially older people, who just absolutely don't like um, anything to be tampered. You know, they just like 
their little segments of you know this is this this is this that belongs there this belongs here there's a lot of fusion music that is happening in india right now um you know thanks to the influence of the the entire world uh, so we do have like um um for instance uh, lo-fi music in fact i just finished uh, reviewing a manuscript on lo-fi uh, music's prevalence in india um and how it came about during the covid times and how they're using bollywood music to um uh, you know uh, they're making it into a lo-fi kind of a um uh, version of it and how many um of these um, um participants in the study who are all the gen z group how their parents and their grandparents absolutely abhor the low lo-fi version of uh, music that they are very familiar with you know like indian film music that's been converted to lo-fi music especially the older indian film music like from the 40s 50s 60s and uh, they just don't like it at all and they're like you know i mean it just has to be so i think it's just a preference the culture right. the times that you are uh, growing up in and you know the music that you're surrounded by and uh, and the one thing that i would say because i'm i'd like to think of myself a very as a very positive person is that i do strongly believe that uh, having um these different musical systems throughout the world you know i mean you have um indonesian music and uh, you know the gamelan we saw that in class and then we have the um, um you know uh, chinese music japanese and you know everything has their unique flavor the african music and um uh, etc so of course south america and um, you know can't um, uh, you know be without mentioning their styles of music like the tango and all that so if if you were to like you know uh, put all these things together just imagine the variety of new stuff that you will get out i mean just combining two we have music which are um, you know tango styled indian film songs they can't be classical obviously classical has a def- uh, definitely a different meaning to it now but more contemporary music that can be combined with like you know different genres um it's it's so much fun there's so much of scope for um, you know the future because sometimes i worry oh my gosh have we exhausted all the melodies now because now people are just using the old melodies and trying to recreate something on that you know don't can't we come up with like new melodies anymore but then combining new musical styles or um, existent musical styles from other cultures might actually offer that possibility of um, oh. you know creating uh, new music and new genres and yeah there's there's a lot of wow. stuff for the new future culture. i feel yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah uh cuz i i try to think about like other forms of art like art <laughs> and <laughs> and how that also has its uh unique perspectives and how just with technology we're getting so much like now we can listen to any type of music from any part of the world instantly so yep. that's going to open a lot of possibilities yeah, yeah. um be- before we <laughs> end the conversation i would i know you wanted to touch on this but i would love to talk a little bit about your journey on how you became to be a psycho a music psychology teacher and also a researcher 
Yeah. So um, I've had an interesting, um, you know, experience um, and I'd like to share that definitely. So when I was, um, uh, you know, growing up, apparently all my report cards from kindergarten and, you know, uh, until the fourth grade um, always talk about like, you know, the teachers tell like she loves to sing. She's singing all the time, humming all the time or doing music all the time, you know, something like that. And uh, in a very positive way. And and suddenly it stopped from like the fourth grade onwards. And uh, the reason is because I distinctly remember, now I don't remember who it was, but uh, uh, an aunt of mine was talking to my mother and um, I was like sitting below the dining table and playing and uh, they'd forgotten that I existed or something. And I was like, you know, humming some music, something oh, singing no. to myself in my squeaky voice. <laughs> and the aunt told my mom that, uh, you know, um, uh, she should not let me sing because I'm singing in this false voice, you know, and uh, it is very bad for uh, the culture, for the health, for the household, whatever, and things like that. I heard that, and that was the day when I just uh, stopped singing altogether. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, I I so love to sing, and, uh, you know, I couldn't do that anymore because this um, just hit me. I was just in fourth grade, you know, how old was I? Like maybe 10 years old, nine, 10 years old. And it just struck such a, I, I was not a very sensitive person or something, yeah. but I don't know, this just like hit me somewhere and I just stopped singing after that. And um, then uh, in, in school and choir, I was still in choir, but then around the same time, I think around sixth grade time, a similar kind of incident happened where um, uh, the teacher pulled a friend of mine and uh, me out of the choir because they wanted to have some eighth grade students in and we too were the tallest in the group and they had already stitched our uniforms so our uniforms would only fit the eighth grade um, uh, students and so they pulled us out of the choir and that kind of made me decide that okay I have a horrible voice and I just don't want to sing I should not sing and do right. myself and the world a favor and I pulled out and but music wouldn't leave me. You know, I was naturally a musician. My dad got me a little keyboard um, when I was like some maybe four or five years old. And so I continued playing on the keyboard, picking up songs on my own. Um, those days I couldn't, I wanted very badly to learn piano because, you know, we had a piano at school and, you know, Roman Catholic school. And they used to play the piano while we went um, march past marching past um, to our classrooms. So I really uh, love that. But unfortunately, um, we didn't have any piano classes near my house. So I couldn't learn piano. I was an autodidact, you know, self-taught. And um, I grew up that way, learning to play the keyboard. And eventually, when I um, came to, um, I think, um, um, ninth grade, I started performing uh, for my school, like, you know, playing the mm. keyboard. But, you know, and then 10th, 11th, 12th, and then I came to uh, college and I continued to perform on the keyboard. But I knew something was missing. Like, I mean, I was, I, I love music, I love performing, everything, but there was something a little unnatural about it. I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, and uh, then there was a person who played the bass guitar uh, who was our coach. And um, I picked up the bass guitar from him and I loved it. You know, I, it was it was a huge relief, but there was still something else that was missing. Um, I finally got the opportunity to train 
my friends and my band i had a band called essencia back in college days oh, cool. it was an all girls band and then wow. we of course had some um, you know we included some boys later on uh, who are um, you know some of the girls and boys from our band are currently professional musicians in india and uh, they travel around the world and perform and it's just amazing wow. so i'm so proud of that so anyway when i got around to training my own band and all that i started and i i could only sing and show them what i wanted to do and my friends really encouraged me and said that i had a really lovely voice i i should think about singing again and all that so it was in college that i got back into singing so um here's a big uh, thing for um, you know um everybody out there because i've met so many people who have been discouraged at a very young age uh, from doing music because of various you know little issues like this and i just say please don't lose your hope or heart over it and uh, just do what you feel is natural so once i got into being able to sing music uh, nobody could you know stop me i was like going to all competitions primarily play, playing the instruments keyboard or bass but i would harmonize and things like that and then eventually um you know it became uh, such a level that um, my parents were worried that i was not going to do well in my studies because i was all the time like you know missing classes and uh, you know in college days um and i did do well in studies and nice. that is when um my dad found this field called uh, music therapy um he happened oh. to like go somewhere meet somebody something because it was not prevalent in india back then in fact wow. um, even psychology was not prevalent when i picked up psychology um my i remember my um uh, neighbors uh, parents they came and they asked um if i did so badly in my high school and is that why i'm choosing a subject called psychology which was completely unheard of you know so oh. um and then once um, you know so i i took psychology for my bachelor's and masters uh, and then i wanted to do music therapy but music therapy was not a course back in india and it was not very prevalent in america too so it was very very prevalent in europe but i didn't have um, you know access to go to europe i was able to come here to america and guess what um dr w j dowling who's considered as a pioneer in the field and who's basically nicknamed as the father of music psychology had his lab at my doorstep it was like uh, you know when i first landed here i was in plano and it was 10 minutes utd was 10 minutes away from my house so the moment i visited him and i um, i wanted to do clinical psychology for my phd but then i changed everything and uh, they gave me uh, ad admissions into utd and i decided i knew then and there that that was it i mean no one can now question me about whether um, you know i'm spending too much time on music and therefore not focusing on psychology because i was doing music mm. psychology and listening to music all day long doing music all day long at the same time understanding all the um, uh, well not all but so many different facets of how music affects us internally um, cognitively um, mentally so many different you know emotionally everything and i i not once did i regret um, you know taking this field it's just uh, dr dowling is an amazing professor and uh, guide and he gave me full freedom to explore what i wanted to explore in my phd and um, that's how my journey began and today i'm able to i feel so grateful that i'm able to come and share my um uh, you know whatever i have learned and whatever i have experienced with my classes you know teaching psychology of music talking to you 
doing um, you know so much of uh, interesting research work that nobody has ever ventured into. Um, I'm hoping to be able to publish more papers. I have a lot of papers uh, that I've, I mean, a lot of studies that I've worked on, which I just haven't had the time to publish, but I'm hoping that, you know, um, it would um, come out someday and people will be motivated. Most of my studies are cross-cultural for the very reason that, um, you know, there is not a lot of people who can claim to be truly cross-cultural, like myself, born and brought up and you know everything in India, but then doing both styles of music and coming here and being able to address research questions cross-culturally. So um, I just feel very fortunate that um, I have been given all these opportunities to um, learn and uh, come and share with students and others. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful to be able to have someone like you in in my school. <laughs> my pleasure, and and it's um, vice versa. You're a wonderful student in my class. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and and yeah, Dr. Dowling is such a cool guy. Did you know him before you went to UT Dallas? No, I I met him. I I had I had emailed him. I didn't know who he was. They hadn't advertised oh. at UTD. UTD didn't have a very good website back then. Yeah. Um, whereas now their website is like top notch. So music cognition was a course um, offered as an elective. So and the professor who taught it was Dr. Dowling. Uh, they had an email for him. And so I emailed him and asked if I could meet him. And I hadn't yet applied to UTD then. You know, I was just going to meet him. I was not sure what to expect there um, because they didn't have a clinical psych program. And that was the only thing that was uh, that I wanted to do. So when I landed at his um, lab, he showed me everything and the research work, this, that. And I discussed with him and I spoke about my ideas of like, you know, how I'd like to do music. Um, psychology research and he was so agreeable and um, you know contributed on um, uh, so many ideas and and that just made me decide that that was it so it was like you know meeting him and um, my um, uh, I, and understanding about the topic it was uh, just love at first sight I, I was sold on music psychology and um, that is what I wanted to do so yeah <laughs> wow that's amazing yeah. Thank you so it much. Dr. Yep, my pleasure. Thank you. It has been so nice talking to you. And for those who may want to um, reach out to you with any questions or something like that, or maybe even check out some of your studies. Oh, I wanted to ask you, did you have, um, are, are you working on any research studies right now? In yeah, the... yes, a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about it or like maybe just like what it's called oh, or something uh, what you're well, uh, okay so um right now i mean dr dowling just retired um in december uh, really really sad but i mean i'm still in touch with him and so we're working on a few things we're, we're trying to actually wrap up a few things that we started one of the things that we that was his pet project uh, and he started in 2008 i believe um, um before i got roped into it in like 2009 uh, was a study with wrong notes and uh, various aspects mm. of it you know cross-cultural so i did a lot of cross-cultural work on it and uh, currently we are doing some studies um, involving um, minor scales so that is one Ooh. of the active studies that we are doing there are also a few studies that we just kind of wrapped up last uh, year and we are kind of trying to write up on those uh, one 
article of the series of studies has already been published. It's on sorting. And um, you know, it was with Western music, piano melodies. And now we are working on um, uh, um, Carnatic music and Indian version of it, as well as with uh, different melodies. And um, uh, you know, um, we're trying to wrap that up. Um, we are also trying to wrap up um, um, a study that we did with color, emotion, and music with Western music and uh, Indian music. Wow. And uh, we've collected we, all the data, everything is collected, but then we just have to, like, you know, sit down and do the analysis and writing and things like that. So uh, we also did a study with Parkinson's and Carnatic music. Wow. And um, uh, yeah, once again, a lot of data for that. And uh, we need to, like, you know, um, uh, work on it so yeah several things which we've worked on but um it's just you know life uh <laughs> takes over so we just have to like find some time to sit down and actually get down to publishing it but it's definitely a good field a good modern field to go into for people who love oh, oh absolutely because i mean uh if you love music then and if you want to know why why you love music um you know because so many of you have told me that you can't live without music even for a day and there are students who claim that they can live without water or food for a day but they can't live without listening to music so even if they don't have the devices to listen to music they have their inner devices that constantly mm. play music so if you're curious about that and um you know uh uh this is the field to be in and especially if you love music then you can you, you don't have any excuses for why you're focusing so much on music and not on your studies because i mean this, this is the field that you're <laughs> studying so see the perfect excuse perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so yeah uh thank you so much one more time dr roman we're just My at pleasure. the hour at the hour mark yeah. But thank yeah, so, you so much for inviting course. me. Sorry, I just wanted to say oh, thank yeah. you so much for inviting me and for giving me this opportunity. I really enjoyed the 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 really insightful questions that you asked me. Uh, it some questions really made me think on the spot, and uh, I really <laughs> yeah. enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Me too. Great, great answers. Honestly, very inspiring. Thank you. So, Thank you. Uh, the link to send you your email would be in the description. And also for finding your research, that's just in the UTD or is there like... Well, um, you could just type in Rachna Raman on Google. It uh, shows up a, a bunch of uh, things. It shows our lab webpage also. And um, uh, there is another Rachna Raman MD who's, um, you know, a medical doctor. So, um, yeah, it just if you type in Rachna Raman UTD, then you should be able to, like, you know, uh, find uh, the pages that I'm on and our uh, research work and things like that. Perfect. And that will be in the description. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And also, if you could send me a link once this is, um, you know, uh, you said on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, so it should come up on yeah. Yeah. Of course, I'll send you a link. Yeah, perfect. All Thank right. You. Thank you so much. And good to keep in touch with you, Eric. Yeah, you too. I'll, I'll stay in touch. Yeah. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. bye. Thank you.